This is the International Anthony Burgess Foundation podcast. In this episode, we're celebrating the release of the Irwell edition of Anthony Burgess's Mozart and the Wolfgang, an experimental novella that demands closer investigation. The Irwell edition of the works of Anthony Burgess is one of the central projects of the Burgess Foundation and aims to publish each of Burgess's novels and major works of non-fiction in critical editions edited by experts and scholars. Each edition has a new introduction, a text which has been restored to that of the first edition, appendices drawn from the Burgess archives around the world, and expansive notes on the text. Mozart in the Wolfgang joins a vision of battlements, the piano players, Beard's Roman Women, Puma, Abba Abba, and This Man and Music in the list of titles already published in the Irwell edition. Mozart and the Wolfgang is a strange novella, It was written to commemorate the bicentenary of Mozart and combines fiction, opera libretto and fragments of film script among other things. It's set mostly in heaven, where a group of composers debate the nature of music while episodes from Mozart's life play out underneath. It's a piece of work that shows Burgess's creative ambitions had not faded in the last years of his life. The Orwell edition of Mozart and the Wolfgang was edited by Alan Shockley and was one of his final projects before he died in 2020. Alan was Professor of Music at California State University, Long Beach, and a much-admired fixture of the International Burgess Studies community. He had a distinctive approach to interpreting Burgess's fiction because, like Burgess, his interest lay in how music and literature intertwined. This was something he explored in his book, Music in the Words, Musical Form and Counterpoint in the 20th Century Novel. Alan was also a prolific composer, whose work often used unconventional combinations of instruments, voices and electronics, including the toy piano and the melodica. His compositions were always thoughtful and challenging, and resonated with audiences all over the world. Alan's edition of Mozart and the Wolfgang was completed by Alan's wife, Jessica Sternfeld Shockley. Will Carr of the Burgess Foundation, and Christine Lee Gengaro, Professor of Music at Los Angeles City College. Mozart and the Wolfgang is out now from Manchester University Press. Check out the links in the description of this episode for more information. We join Will Carr and Christine Lee Gengaro in a conversation that was recorded in September 2022. Well, welcome, Christine. Thanks so much for joining us uh, for this special podcast about Mozart and the Wolfgang. This is uh, the latest of the Irwell editions of the works of Anthony Burgess, and it's uh, well, it's probably one of the strangest of the books that are in the series. Maybe um, it was first published in 1991 to celebrate the bicentenary of Mozart, uh, but it takes a very unusual series of forms, and well, it's it's an intriguing and unusual kind of text. At least that's how I found it. But I wondered if we could kick off by, well, maybe could you, you could just tell us what you made of Mozart and the Wolfgang. Well, you know, when you think about a book like this, it's sort of <laughs> when you ask, you know, what 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 is this book all about? You know, on the face of it, you'd, you'd say, well, it's some sort of you know homage to Mozart. You know, on the occasion of his. Uh, you know, the 200th anniversary of his death. And it's going to be, you, you might make assumptions about what it's going to be, but you, you'd absolutely be wrong because there's no way you could guess what it ends up being, which is, it's a play, it's a, it's a film script, it's an opera libretto, it's, uh, it's, it's a short story. There's, a, there's so many things in it 
that um, what I love about the Irwell editions just in general is the introductions are so comprehensive. It really gives you an opportunity to, to understand what you're about to experience. And I don't know another author um, that needs this <laughs> quite so much as Burgess in these in particular um, in these particular books that, that have been chosen, you know, in this order that, that the Irwell edition is going in. I feel like Mozart and the Wolfgang and the one that I did, This Man in Music, are, are two of them that, that absolutely require guidance. <laughs> Otherwise, you, I think you, we might, you might be lost. Absolutely. That, that was my feeling about it, too. And the, well, the person who, who, who provides most of the guidance, was it, it wasn't us. You, you and I worked on the finalization of this, well, the yes. final, final version of the edition. But it was Alan Shockley who, who started it all off. I wondered, you were, you were very close to Alan. I, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about him and his work and, and what he did on this edition. Well, first of all, Alan was, um, you first and foremost, a composer, um, and, and loved literature. So he and Burgess had that in common and he was sort of endlessly fascinated with uh, Burgess being both, uh, a writer and a composer. And this was something that he and I had in common because Alan and I were both musicians. I am not a composer. I'm a musicologist, but we, we came at it. We came at the subject from a similar point of view and we're both Americans. We both lived in California. Um, so, um, he's from a small town. I'm from a big city, but we found ourselves uh, on the West coast of the United States, um, both teaching and colleges. And we had a lot in common. So uh, we obviously um, were, were sort of in the same space dealing with Burgess. He taught at the um, uh, Cal State University at Long Beach. He was the director of the Bob Cole Music Conservatory there. And um, he was just a, um, he was the kind of musician that was equally comfortable in the Western classical art music idiom, as well as the avant-garde. He did a lot with toy piano. Um, he wrote two books. One of them was about um, extended techniques on the piano, like preparing a piano the way John Cage did, putting stuff inside of the strings. Um, he, uh, he, he had a great sense of humor and, and his music had a great sense of humor as well. There's a lot of pieces of music that draw on what, what one might consider sort of strange inspirations. Um, and he had this sort of understanding of Burgess, the composer and the writer in a way that maybe no one else had. He had sort of an interesting take on it. I, I feel like I came close in some ways, but as a composer, which is like, as I said, something I, I don't do, I think he really had an eye on what Burgess was trying to do, meshing music and literature together. So just to sort of lay out what happened, uh, Alan did the bulk of the work, I would say, on this edition. Absolutely, really. yes. And it, but it was sadly probably one of the final projects that he worked on. And uh, when he passed away in 2020, he left uh, maybe two thirds of it behind. And so that what you and I and other, other colleagues at the Burgess Foundation and elsewhere have been doing is uh, is finishing it off. And what we've tried to do, uh, I think, is to preserve... Alan's approach um, to retain as much of the the research and ideas that he put into it, but to you know just to just to complete the work so it's a kind of finished edition uh, that uh, the readers can enjoy, um, and that's what we that's what we've got now. And I think it's a yeah I think it's a fascinating 
uh, assembly, a fascinating kind of <laughs> kaleidoscope of a book. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of the detail of it, though. I mean, you, you're talking sure. about Alan as a, as a musician and a, as a composer, and there's a tremendous amount of music in the book, of course. There, there's yes. discussions of different approaches to music by the great composers. Burgess imagines them having these conversations uh, in the afterlife. Um, there's an opera libretto, as you mentioned, and, and mm-hmm. Burgess even attempts to render in prose Mozart's Symphony Number no. 40, a kind of formal experiment. Um, I wonder, what's the, what's the overall impression of music that you get from the novel? What do we, what do we learn about music from it? And perhaps um, I, I wonder if you felt it tells us anything about Burgess's own approach to music. Well, I think it's obvious because, because as I, I think I mentioned sort of briefly at the beginning, there's, there's an opera libretto in this. There's a play with famous composers. There's, there's a film about Mozart and his father. There's, there's all these different uh, angles, right. On Mozart. And, and as you said, the, the short story that tries to recreate the structure of a, of a, of a symphony in, in prose and, what it what it says to me about Burgess is that he was just sort of steeped in music all the time. You know, there's there's you know they, there's it was said that he you know composed a fugue every day. Like I would do a crossword puzzle, and um, it's just a it's something about the way that his brain was wired. Right, was was sort of musical, and he couldn't get away from it. And this project which it's, it's sort of, uh, you know, Alan goes into in the introduction, um, whether or not this was part of these things were commissioned from him or asked. Um, <laughs> it was sort of unclear as to the the origin story of all the bits and pieces in here. Um, but the idea that this was an, a project that really gave Burgess an opportunity to sort of let loose and try all these different things and have all these different things in here that were just going on inside of him at all times. I think he probably looked at something and thought I could write an opera libretto about that. And then the music to go with that libretto. And I don't know, it just seemed to me to really reveal that creative process of his in a way that and I'm not sure anything else quite comes close to this level. It certainly feels very free, I think. And Burgess is um, is willing to try stuff out as well. And he even says at one point, you know, that he's not convinced that the experiment that he's made in in writing the short story and using the form of Mozart's symphony, he's not convinced that that works as a you know as an, as an approach to writing. And and that forms part of the part of the text. Um, and so, and then he introduces characters called Anthony and Burgess, who comment on the on the opera, and they say it's gibberish, and they say you know this kind of thing. So, so there's a lot of sort of reflexive. Um, uh, there's a quite reflexive approach to to the text itself as it as it goes along, and you're invited to think many different things about it, I suppose, as as you're reading it. Uh, but Burgess, to me, doesn't give a sense of kind of uncertainty about what he's doing. I get the strong feeling that he's he's trying things out, you know, seeing what works, uh, improvising maybe. Um, at the same time, though, uh, there's there are some quite elaborate formal structures that he um, that he explores, and Alan, in his introduction, goes into this in some detail. You know, talks about the um, uh, the, the musical forms, I suppose, that Burgess applies to his writing. I wondered if you had anything to say about that kind of thing. Do do any of Burgess's formal and musical experiments work in the novel? Well, you know, it's so interesting to to kind of, you know, when I started studying Burgess 
you know, when I started studying Burgess texts more in a more academic um, way, which is, it's got to be almost 20 years now, um, you know, you start to think, oh, this particular work is very musical or that particular work has sort of musical ideas in it. But when you sort of, you know, come back and see the big picture, which I think a, uh, um, um, a book like this tends to do, because it's sort of very much towards the end of his life. Um, you know, not that we knew that, but, you know, the sort of coming back and like, pan, you know, like uh, pulling out and seeing the big picture there, you do kind of see this sort of musical idea of how do literature and music work together? You just see it happen over and over again. Uh, I touch upon this in This Man in Music, but I mean, from the late 60s through the 80s, this this idea was just a sort of nod at him a little bit. What can music do for literature? And of course, we see Napoleon Symphony, you know, having having a structure of a, of a symphony. And we see a lot of that sort of come to roost in this Mozart and the Wolfgang. And what I think is so interesting about it is he, he never really stopped trying to make it work. He never, he, he said it's, it's got to, I think there was a stubbornness on his part that said, I think I can, I think I can do it. I think I can make it work. And having another voice in his head say, no, this is not working at all, but just allowing that to be like not self-censoring and not saying like, I'm not going to put it down on paper. I'm not going to put it in this book because I don't don't think it works. He says, I'm going to put it down in this book. And then I'm also going to argue with myself over whether it does work. Now, the reviewers, of course, were mixed on the level of success <laughs> that Burgess achieved here. Um, I think it's really interesting to, to me, one of my favorite parts uh, is the ending, is the, you know, the, the last bit, which is just very much a commentary, almost like you're having a conversation with Burgess about the process of writing the whole book and about Mozart himself. Um, and it's a beautiful essay, just, you know, except, excerpted and taken on its own. But when you go back and you kind of look at what he tried to do, um, I think it's really, I think it's really an interesting experiment, but, but it is just that it's an experiment. It's not necessarily a successful narrative. Uh, it's not, doesn't really get a story across. It really does kind of exist on its own terms. And for, for that, I feel like it's successful, um, because he's, he's done it, but then at the same time, it's, it's sort of, you could, you could never tell a real story that way. You could never have, um, named characters work in the same way that themes work in a sonata form. One of the things that interested me about the different reviews, um, of which two are, are collected in this in this new edition, is that they all they do pretty much all find something to enjoy, but it's always something different. Some are excited by Burgess's kind of linguistic play. Some are interested in the way in which Burgess talks about Mozart's life and relates it to his own. And, you know, they read this, this text as a kind of autobiographical essay, you know, where Burgess sees himself as being Mozart in some way. Maybe we should talk about that a bit because there is a, a kind of um, a reflective aspect, I think, to this book. Um, there's a lot about Mozart's life in it, obviously, and, and, and about Burgess, really. And one of the central questions of the book is uh, how far it, it might be useful or important to know about an artist's life in order to understand what what that artist is creating. Um, what, what do you make of what Burgess does with Mozart's story? Um, and do you, and do, you, do you agree? Do you, do you think that Burgess sees a bit of himself in the character of Mozart that he creates? Yes, I absolutely do. And what I think is so interesting is something that that Burgess says towards the end is that musically 
he was never really he could never he 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 tries to to say that it it did not fit into his sonic universe right most Mozart, Mozart didn't really have a place there we knew who he was and he was important but it wasn't like something he felt passionately about he wasn't like a huge fan and part of it was because it it's it's beautiful music but it does not tend to be um interesting from a um like a constructed standpoint it, it's very formulaic and um not to take away from its beauty in any way it's very beautifully constructed but it does not tend to have that sort of deep, dark, interesting secrets, right? It sort of wears its heart on its sleeve. It's very obvious what's happening. And, um, and he just couldn't find a place for it, you know, in, in, in what he loved and was interested in. And so it's interesting to kind of come to the end into, you know, 1991 and to think to himself, well, wait, he does sort of fit into my life, but not in a way that I originally thought. It's more that we were both extremely prolific. We never said no to a job. We were always writing. And there was something about that that ability to just write anything, anytime, and just sort of like there was never a there was never a writer's block. There was never a hemming and hawing. It was just sort of like the work flowed out of them. And it's interesting to see Burgess come to this late in his life and also reflecting on Mozart's position in his world and really coming to that sort of conclusion of, Oh, wait a minute. There's, there's, I have something in common with this person as an artist. And while I think one does not have to know about an artist outside of their work to enjoy their work to me, I mean, for heaven's sakes, I'm a music historian. Uh, it's, it, it's always enhanced my enjoyment so much more, and everything I learn about Burgess makes me respect him and love his work more. Um, it's never taken away from that. You know, it's never learning more about him has never made me think, "Ugh, I want to know less. <laughs> that's, that's never happened. So I think, um, and, and something that you mentioned as well, like there's, you know, what do we learn about Mozart in this book? Um, I think there's, he really wanted to get to the real story. You know, I think he was, uh, he mentions um, Schaefer's play Amadeus by name to just say, um, you know, this isn't really telling the story. It, it isn't really getting at the realness. And and even with a sort of fictionalized version, I think he was trying to get to a more real version of Mozart than we had seen before. Burgess was certainly keen on um, on that aspect of Mozart. I think like the sort of earthy nature of him, um, of the Mozart that Mozart himself displays in his letters particularly. Um, and that's contained in this edition as well, actually. Burgess's review of a collection of Mozart's letters, which is from all the way back in 1966. So Burgess was writing about, about Mozart for many years uh, before he, you know, before he came to, to this particular book and yeah so and he uses i think the um uh the, mozart's own words where he can taken from the from the letters to you know to as as dialogue in the in the opera libretto and that kind of thing when he uh, creates the character of mozart so there is a kind of very similitude to to what he's uh, to what he's doing but at the same time you know uh, you've got all these great composers uh, in heaven looking down on the uh, the action unfolding and they're and they're kind of caricatures aren't they they're sort of emblematic of um you know a particular 
you know musical traditions or, or whatever it might be and and he Burgess manages to find room to include the kind of um the famous anecdotes about each of the each of the composers so you know Wagner's appearance is is disparaged for example and Beethoven is, is this kind of cranky you know cranky <laughs> older figure that sort of thing and so so there is but what one of the things that I like about it, I guess I'm trying to say is that uh, is that well is that Burgess is able to include quite a lot of facts and make these people believable but he's also trying to you know it's drama it's a it's a sort of um you know it's a it's artifice that he's uh, that he's created here God. Well, well, one one thing that I noticed, and, and you just mentioned it, is that there's so many, there's so much back background knowledge that Burgess has about these people, about these composers that, I, and he's mentioning actual pieces and 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 friendships that you might not know. I mean, there's this whole section with Gershwin and Schoenberg, and they they used to play tennis together, and uh, and and one might not know that their music is so different, you might not expect that they would even know each other but they you know they were buddies and uh to just kind of i don't know bring all this together um one thing that again that i love about the Irwell edition is that it's annotated and so there's these notes at the back that explain a lot of things and um you know burgess gives us a lot (laughs) a lot to do in these annotations um but it really does sort of you know definitely flip back and forth if you're going to read this because you're, you're going to learn a lot um, maybe some things you didn't even know, even if you are a music fan, I certainly uh, learned more about the, that relationship in particular that I just mentioned. Um, there's just so much to dig into. Yes. Uh, yeah. One of the things Alan, Alan Shockley did when editing this was really open up the text, I think. And mm. um, one of the things I really like about his approach is that, well, it's kind of Burgess-like in a way, and that he's not afraid to tell a, st- a bit of a story, to give a bit of colour to, um, uh, you know, to, to what it's, you know, potentially quite a, a challenging, <laughs> challenging and sort of incomprehensible text. So there's, um, there's, yeah, there's. I, I think his his annotations, as well as his introduction, they they, they do express some of his humour and mm. uh, sort of enthusiasm, I suppose, for the for the work, um, which which really does make the whole thing um, quite an enjoyable enjoyable read. There's other things as well in the book. There's a, another text by Burgess, an introduction to two operas. Um, which is quite a sort of straight piece, really. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you made of that. It's a, um, in a way, it's the kind of piece that you might read in a in a more ordinary celebratory kind of volume. Yeah, it, it's it's a, it actually it goes on. It's a very it's a I think maybe the longest of the appendices, but it is a it's a very interesting sort of take, and it is not at all quirky. You know, it is it is much much straighter. I mean, of course, it's it's Burgess, so it's a little bit quirky, but. Um, it just goes into this sort of introduction as a lot of history in it. There's a lot of um, musical um, understanding in it. And uh, it was, it was, it was sort of um, refreshing to kind of see that. Um, and I, I like that, that, you know, we included it as one of the appendices. Cause I think it's a really, um, it really shows that Burgess could have done a very boring, um, not say very boring. He could have done a very ordinary um homage but he chose to do something different and and I you know keep thinking about that word that you said earlier which was that he seems very free in this and I think he just allowed himself he said I've I've written more ordinary um information about Mozart stuff and I'm I'm gonna have a little fun here and I'm gonna just sort of try whatever and I think that's that really comes through yeah and uh, well I I mean we we mentioned the reviews but the the book itself kind of disappeared on 
uh, after his first publication and it, this its first return in over in over 20 years um one of the other things i wanted to ask about was uh, how you felt mozart and the wolfgang stood up today or or indeed where where does it sit now in relation to burgess's other literary musical writing well, I have to say, and I may be biased about this, but I feel like this and This Man in Music are so great together because in both, in in, in This Man in Music, he, he talks a lot about what can music give to literature. Literature has given much to music, right? We've set operas and we have, you know, poetry set to music and you know, we do all these things. But what about what about the other way around? What what can music give to literature? And, and I mean, that's a central question about that book. And I, I feel like he really does sort of go into that in its sort of in itself. And it, it takes him eight good, you know, seven, eight chapters to get to that question. Um, but there are a lot of interesting things about th- that happen in that book that I think really inform the way that I read Mozart and the Wolfgang. And I think they're great sort of companion books um, because they have so much in common, this idea of like, can you put a musical structure into a literary work and have it still kind of work as a, as a piece of literature. Um, So I feel like that, that's those things sort of work together. And I think also um, when you think about it, uh, Napoleon symphony would be a great, um, if you were going to sort of make a make a list of books that I think should be read kind of at the same time, I feel like Napoleon Symphony would be a good um, a good addition to this grouping. Um, and then, of course, you've got um, uh, what is it? Um, Burn, I think, would be a good, you know, all these sort of like musical um, homages to composers. I think there's a there's a few of them in there where uh, where you have this. Um, you have this idea of taking some sort of form and and imposing it upon um, upon prose. And I think in this case, uh, in Mozart and the Wolfgang, we do we have a play, but we also have an opera libretto that's written in verse. So it's really Burgess kind of flexing all of his muscles here um, and and really encapsulating a lot of different things. And of course, he had done film uh, adaptations, so we get a little bit of that in here as well. Um, so it's a very it's a very interesting book. It's got a lot of uh, different angles, as I said earlier. But the the idea of like different angles looking at Mozart, and if you if you had a chance to sort of say like, okay, for the next month or two, I'm going to spend reading some Burgess books. I would say Mozart and the Wolfgang, Napoleon Symphony, and This Man in Music are sort of a great triumvirate to kind of tackle together because they all are thinking about sort of the same idea over and over again. And there's a lot of repeating and there's a lot of overlapping. And I think they crisscross brilliantly. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think the that point about the different forms that Burgess is um, is using in Mozart and the Wolfgang is really important in that context because he's it's like he's grappling with with, with the fundamental idea, you know, with the, the thing at that the, at the heart of the project, but in in these different you know, using these different techniques in these different mm-hmm. ways and seeing seeing what works, and you kind of get the the impression that in the end he's not quite sure if any of them do, um, but they all have their moments, I would say, and they certainly do in in Mozart and the Wolfgang. Oh yes. Um, so um, going back, going back to the beginning, I mean, maybe we should finish by by mentioning Alan again because for me, I found when I first read Mozart and the Wolfgang, I, I found it a bit incomprehensible. I found it a bit tough going. <laughs> Um, but when I was lucky enough to 
to do a bit of work on Alan's edition. Um, I I felt that his um, his introductory matter particularly, but the other things he brought to the text as well, really opened it up. I, I just wondered if you could say a little bit about about how that was for you. Well, you know, I, I sort of had a similar experience when I was writing my dissertation back in 2004. Um, I, uh, I was looking at a, a whole bunch of Burgess books and, uh, you know, it was about Burgess and music. And so I thought, oh, Mozart and the Wolfgang, right. This is, uh, you know, on the face of it, something that's going to be very useful to me. And of course I opened it up and saw, you know, Beethoven talking to Mendelssohn. And I, I immediately thought to myself, what, what am I looking at? And I worked my way sort of through kind of, you know, um, you know, kind of flipping through it and, um, really just ended up putting it back and thinking, well, this isn't really going to help me right now, but, found myself kind of drawn back into it. And I will say that um, you did not, never made it all the way through in one go uh, until, until working on this project. And the work that, um, that Alan did really go wrestling with this text and getting it into um, in that, getting that introduction together in a way where it could tell you everything that's going to happen and really kind of lay it out for you was absolutely instrumental for me getting through it this time and and really enjoying it. And, you know, just uh, wanted to you know, give um, some recognition to um, Alan's widow, Jessica Sternfeld Shockley, who is a musicologist and um, musician. And, you know, she helped shape things before, before it came to us. And then I think, you know, our job was to continue to kind of shape it in the you know, expectations for the Irwell uh, edition and making it sort of fit the, the format. Um, but, so much he had done so much work getting it into a um getting an explanation of what was going to happen that it was it was so useful to me um as I was going through it um so I mean what wonderful work was done um and that's I mean just the the joy of these Irwell editions is that you're going to you're going to see it in a new way even if it's something you've already read even if it's a Burgess text you've already experienced there's going to be something in that introduction that's really going to be revealing. And for Mozart and the Wolfgang, I feel like this is so essential to my enjoyment of it and my experience with it. Um, so I think he did a wonderful job really wrestling it into a way that makes it understandable and enjoyable. Well, that chimes very much with my experience. I, I found that the um, the time spent with the text, with uh, you know, with the structure that Alan had put around it, with the um, with, yeah, the kind of ex- explanations that he'd given, and, and with the kind of the annotations and so on that we mentioned, that really um, that really repaid, uh, you know, that really really repaid a lot of attention, and um, it uh, it for me it it brought it to life, and it, you know, it does sit alongside some of Burgess's uh, Burgess's other writing in a way in which I didn't think it would do to begin with. Um, but readers can make up their own minds, of course, because the, <laughs> the this edition will be out or is in this edition will be out in early October and we'll be celebrating that with a launch in Manchester. Um, and as part of that, we'll have a concert of some of Alan Shockley's music as well. So we're very much looking forward to that. We'll record the concerts and the book launch and everything. So that will be online for anybody who wants to see it after the event. But for the moment, uh, thank you very much, Christine, for joining in with that conversation. It's been been my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me.
You've been listening to the International Anthony Burgess Foundation podcast. Mozart and the Wolfgang, edited by Alan Shockley, is out now from Manchester University Press. Christine Lee Gengaro is Professor of Music at Los Angeles City College. She has worked extensively on Anthony Burgess and music, and in 2020 she edited the Orwell edition of This Man and Music. More recently, she has written about the music of A Clockwork Orange, with two chapters forthcoming in Gender, Power and Identity in the films of Stanley Kubrick, published by Taylor and Francis, and Anthony Burgess' Stanley Kubrick and A Clockwork Orange, published by Palgrave. She's currently working on the early days of film music. Check out the description of this episode for more information and all the relevant links. For more information about Anthony Burgess, and to find out how you can support the work of the Burgess Foundation, visit www.anthonyburgess.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not leave us a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts?